Well, another midweek and another Bills Beat podcast to be here with you the whole time as the Bills continue on their 2018 season. Up next for them, the Minnesota Vikings and what will be a humongous test on the road. Even though the Vikings tied last week against the Packers, still uh, the Bills are facing some long odds as far as the uh, the sports books are uh, concerned. My name is Joe Biscaglia. With me, as always, is Matthew Fairburn of The Athletic. Matthew, just it, it seems like when the first six quarters kind of went forward, we saw really the same sort of song and dance. But then... I think what a lot of Bills fans are kind of hanging on to at this point are those final two quarters against the Chargers because the defense only allowed three points. Of course, we had the switch um, from Sean Mc- or from Leslie Frazier, the defensive coordinator, calling the plays to Sean McDermott calling the plays, and the offense looked like they had a little bit more pep in their step, so to speak. But at the same point, they were already getting blown out, so. What I wanted to talk about today more than anything is it could include the offense, but mostly the defense. Were this first six quarters a mirage and not really what they truly are? Or is the anomaly in the situation the final two quarters where they actually looked good and only allowed three points? Because I think you can make a compelling argument either way. I think the truth probably falls somewhere in the middle, to be honest. I don't think they're as bad as losing, you know, allowing 47 points, but I don't think they're as good as shutting the Chargers down either because that was the second half. They're already up 28-3, to and quite frankly, I'm not sure you were getting quite the same level of urgency from that group as you got in the first half. I think this goes back to a lot of what we talked about before the season started in that episode right before week one when we talked about the defense exclusively. Mm -hmm. And this is what the defense looks like when it doesn't create turnovers. And it's it's not good, obviously. I, I think there are certain aspects of this defense that are better than they look right now, but I think the problem is they're letting up a lot of big plays in key moments, third downs, I mean, the Chargers didn't even get to third down for most of the first half. I think they got to third down two or three times total. Other than that, they were just ripping right through the Bills' defense. I I think there's just a few holes on the defense that are getting exploited. Uh, That outside cornerback spot, even the nickel at times, is causing them problems. Tremaine Edmonds is causing a few problems in pass coverage uh, just because of how he plays, he's a little bit aggressive. He's not quite as disciplined or uh, instinctive as you want him to be, but he is just a, a rookie playing his first couple games. So they have legitimate issues. I think they still are more talented than they look. I think Jerry Hughes and a lot of these guys up front are a lot better than the numbers would indicate. I think there's just a lot of issues that are going to make this not the quickest fix. I don't think it's going to be as simple as Sean McDermott takes over the play calling and they shut down Kirk Cousins and the Vikings. I think there's a little bit more wrong there, and we're starting to see them regress more to the norm after they made a lot of a lot of their you know big plays were off turnovers, and a lot of their uh, success came because they were turning the football over and they're not doing that at the same clip right now no they're not um but the one thing you mentioned where i want to kind of start off because i think this is where this entire conversation kind of bases around which is what the guys up front do because the as we pointed out in that podcast that you mentioned they invested a lot into the into the defensive line, whether it be Star Latulale's big contract, Trent Murphy's big contract, uh, drafting Harrison Phillips where they did, still having legitimate money to Jerry Hughes, and Shaq Lawson being a first-round pick, even if he wasn't their first-round pick. So all of these assets were 
utilize with the defensive line. And I think where the the rubber will really meet the road here is if, in fact, they can get their stuff together on a couple of different fronts. Now, the pass rush through the first five quarters, I'll say, was basically non-existent. They got their stuff together a little bit more in the second quarter, but by that point, uh, Philip Rivers found out he could take advantage of Tremaine Edmonds almost on every play. In the second half, though, the pass rush seemed to be getting more heat on uh, Phillip Rivers. Jerry Hughes was winning his one-on-ones. Trent Murphy had a couple of nice rushes. Harrison Phillips was getting up the field. Still waiting to see something of being able to penetrate the backfield from Kyle Williams, but that might be just a little bit too much to ask from him uh, at this stage in his career, which also begs the question, why the heck is that guy playing 75% of the snaps if if uh, he's he's that old and has um, isn't really warranting it. I, but I digress. The defensive line with the pass rush and even stuffing the run with those front two guys. Now, they did a better job against the Chargers than they did against the Ravens, but still, this is, this is where it all has to happen for them. And if they're going to be better than they showed in those uh, first six quarters then it needs to be those four guys, sometimes five, that bring it every single week. And, you know, they're they're starting to mix in Lorenzo Alexander a little bit more into that, which is probably a smart thing given he's he might be their 1B to Jerry Hughes' 1A as most effective pass rusher. So all of it starts there. And the idea of Sean McDermott calling the plays or Leslie Frazier calling the plays. I do think McDermott showed he was a little bit more I guess instinctive when he was call- when he was out there calling the plays, but that said, he also wasn't doing it the entire year last year and and the Bills defense was actually able to do something. So, yeah, I I don't know, man. It, it just it all starts up front for me and if they can't get their act together, then then it might be the first six quarters that we see for for the majority of the season. Yeah, and I mean, some of the, of the excuses aren't going to go away. Like, the offense will go 3-0 and out quite a bit with a rookie quarterback. They won't stay on the field particularly long with a rookie quarterback. I think they're averaging – they're in the bottom five in yards per drive, and uh, that, you know, that correlates into not possessing the ball very long. And the defense can only use those excuses – for so long and you know them flipping the field and and getting Josh Allen in better positions will help as well so I don't know I think they have some pieces up up front and the linebacker play has been decent but I think there hasn't been a single guy on the field that has played well for all eight quarters that the Bills have played this season. I think, I don't know, I you could probably make an argument that Lorenzo Alexander is their best player on defense right now. I'd and, probably say Trey White just because and both teams Tredavious have, White, they've avoided him yeah, completely. He's so, he's so quiet that you forget that he's over there because last year I think teams wanted to test the rookie. This year they're not interested. They're like, oh, and, you've got Philip Gaines over there. Right. Let me see what's going on. And this week probably won't be a whole lot different in that regard. I'll, I'll actually be writing about that a little bit because I talked to Trey and it is kind of funny that he just is over there and playing as well as he's ever played. I, I don't think he's a problem at all. He's probably allowed a handful of catches maybe, but not anything where he's been beat badly by any means. But everywhere else, I mean, Lorenzo Alexander, I think has played well. I think Harrison Phillips has played well, but you know, Jerry Hughes has disappeared at times. He was a monster uh, in week two for most of the game. I think you're just seeing a lot of inconsistency, and you're seeing what happens when you have some glaring holes. Uh, they don't have hardly any depth at cornerback, and it's being tested with Vontae Davis retiring, with Philip Gaines injured, Taron Johnson banged up. Uh, I would expect one, maybe both of those guys to suit up on Sunday, but I mean, how many times do you need a cornerback to come off the field before you dress five of them? <laughs> uh, I think they're going to this week. I, I mean, I think 
Well, they would have to get both those guys healthy. I think they they are healthy. And I saw I saw them out there both taking a full complement of uh, of reps today during individual drills. And even on, then, this being on Thursday, I'm wondering, you know, yeah, will Ra- all five be healthy? Will yeah. you know Ryan Lewis get yeah. the nod? I, yes, he will. I think, given the injury situation, they should. But Sean McDermott's been pretty stubborn about that so far in the first couple of weeks. I think, given the fact that. Taron Johnson and Philip Gaines are both a uh, uh, hit away from being on the sideline again. And after the situation that happened last week, I think they will dress five. Mm-hmm. But I think their depth there still, regardless of how many they dress, isn't great. Taron Johnson being back will be a nice boost. I thought he was playing well before he got hurt. But then you still have Philip Gaines outside. Or Lafayette Pitts. I mean take your pick i guess. I honestly think they would put lewis out there before lafayette pitts and, and, I, but and lewis also <laughs> has the flexibility i think to play a little bit of both yeah and yeah that's right but pitts he did okay given the circumstances they've just had a lot not go their way mm-hmm. and i think you know it was interesting to see them rotate matt milano and ramon humber last week i think matt milano at times was getting washed out in the running game and you know, maybe there was a little something there, but he's still the better option in pass coverage. I think you're still going to see a mistake or two from Tremaine Edmonds each week that'll cost them a big play. Eventually, he'll he'll settle down on those, but a lot of issues on a side of the ball where they were supposed to be fixed. And I think what you're seeing is that even that side of the ball is farther away than they appeared last year. Yes, and certainly. Still, I mean project this into the future kyle williams is probably gone next year mm-hmm. lorenzo alexander is probably gone next year jerry hughes might be gone next year that's three cornerstones of the defense over the last few years so there's still some rebuilding to be done on that side of the ball not to mention you know Shaq lawson has been hurt nobody knows what his future holds it's probably not going to be in buffalo long term so They've thrown a lot of money at the defense, but they haven't exactly fixed problems for the long term other than at middle linebacker, presumably, if Tremaine Edmonds pans out, at safety and at cornerback. They still have, you know, one technique is probably shored up, but, I mean, we're talking about probably a top five pick in the draft, the way the season is trending, and it's probably going to be spent on that defensive line, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and especially with how little you can trust the positions that they need on the offensive side of the ball early on in the draft, such as wide receiver and offensive line. I mean, when you've got a couple of guys like a defensive tackle or a defensive end that could come in, I think the, the Bills would feel pretty strongly about that. Plus the fact that, you know, the Carolina draft history, they've always kind of veered towards the defensive side of the ball more than anything. I think this, the, the exceptions were... Kelvin, uh, Christian McCaffrey, and Cam. Um, but other than that, it's been there's been a lot of defensive linemen taken early on. But I, I think for them, they you brought up something about Edmonds. That he'll get ticked for a, a play time and time again. They just have to hope it's not like 12 of them, like it was against the Chargers, because Rivers was locked in to Edmonds, manipulating him with his eyes, getting him getting him to the side that he wanted to, to clear out space for his wide receiver and that so that he allowed his guy the ability to run after the catch. I mean, it was just hemorrhaging uh, at one point in the second quarter. They just could not stop them, no matter what they tried. So Edmonds, it, it probably wasn't pleasant for him watching the film on uh, on Monday and likely Tuesday as well because he was he was the biggest liability on the field for them but they they have to think that that's not always going to be the case with him since he is so young into his career but I'll tell you what I bet you Kirk Cousins and uh, Aaron Rodgers are are surely going to test him as they kind of go forward here and at defensive back I mean they have this is why I said that the pass rushes and the defensive line play is so important because they need to set the tone to take the pressure off of the defensive backs. I can't tell you how many times, even in the first two games, where 
the quarterback has just had all day back there. And what what are the defensive backs really supposed to do at, in that point? They play a zone a, a bunch of times, and from there you have to think, well, obviously guys are going to settle into a soft spot in the zone and, and the quarterback is going to be able to, to make a throw to that. Or if they're in man coverage, that's sometimes an awful long time to have your guy be in coverage without presenting a, a, I guess, a bump in the road, which is the pass rush. But as for the defensive backs, I'm, I'm curious to see what the Bills, specifically this week, do with Tredavious White. Because if you notice with, with Trey... When he was on Keenan Allen, Allen didn't make a peep. Like, they didn't even try to go to him. They went to Allen when the Bills were mostly in zone coverage and, and White wasn't right over him. And I w- well, they had him on Tremaine Edmonds at one point. Right. Was, it, and it was a lot of moving Keenan Allen to the slot, which yeah. is what the Bills are going to need to find an answer for because more teams do that. Well, at least the smart teams will put their best receiver in the slot at times to create mismatches. and But Trey did follow him there when they were in man coverage a, a couple of times. But when they were in zone, it just uh, obviously they, they stayed pat where they were. And you're not going to get – I mean, I don't know who you have Trey follow. Uh, it didn't sound like it was in the cards when I talked to him yesterday. And maybe he will follow one of these guys, but – if you do, the other guy can chew you up just as easily. I mean, Adam Thielen and Stephon Diggs are maybe one of the best one-two punches at wide receiver in the entire NFL. And Kirk Cousins, it doesn't look like he's a new quarterback, uh, you know, meshing with this offense. It hasn't taken him long to get comfortable and figure out where where the bread is buttered, so to speak. So, go ahead and have Tredavious White follow Adam Thielen around the field, but then Diggs is going to carve up Phillip Gaines and vice versa. So they've also got a tight end in Kyle Rudolph. I mean, they have a lot of weapons on offense, and they now have a quarterback who is willing and able to to find those guys. And not to mention Dalvin Cook, if he plays this week because he didn't practice on Wednesday, if he plays, they line him up out wide sometimes, and, and he is... He is not fun to cover, especially if you've got, I don't know, a safety or or even a linebacker like Milano on him. It, it he he will make people look foolish because he is fleet of foot. So they've they've got their issues for sure. But I guess we should broach the the McDermott play calling aspect. Is it so much of a difference between him and Leslie Frazier potentially that they just have to do it no matter what or did we just see a lot of the alright the Chargers are up by 22 points uh, it, it, perhaps they weren't really going full speed ahead with their game plan as they thought they might have had to in the third quarter of, of that game Part of me thinks that McDermott's background with it and his success with calling defensive plays would mean that it's he probably might have a better handle on you know just timing because that's really everything with your with your coverages with your um, uh, what you choose to do with your pass rush who you're sending who you're dropping back. I wonder if he's just a little bit more in tune with that than maybe Frazier is. What about you? I mean, I think he is. I think he's a better defensive coordinator than Leslie Frazier is. I mean, I sure hope he is. That's his background, and that's what he did all, you know, coming up through the league, and it's what got him a head coaching job. So if he's not a better defensive coordinator than Leslie Frazier, they have a problem. The question is, can you can he trust Leslie Frazier enough at this point? Can you go back? Uh, it's almost not entirely different than the, you know, quarterback move right you can't strip a guy of his dignity and then you know pretend you have the same amount of faith in him Mm -hmm. you can stand up there and say you have a ton of faith in him and it's nothing against Leslie Frazier it's nothing against the relationship he and Sean McDermott have which is a good one but you took it away for a reason it wasn't just for fun and I think he should be better at it I can't sit here and say 
look what Sean McDermott, I mean, I don't think anybody can really sit there and say, look what Sean McDermott called here that Leslie Frazier never would have called because we don't know what Leslie Frazier would have called. They're certainly talking like Sean McDermott's going to handle this. Mm -hmm. They keep talking about it as a collaborative thing and, and different things like that. But if the play calling duties were going back to Leslie Frazier, they would say it. Mm -hmm. So he's probably taken over and will it make a huge difference? Maybe it will. Maybe it'll be marginal. Again, I don't know that, any of us can sit here and say for sure what type of difference it makes, especially on that side of the ball. But I will say that they did look better and more prepared and, you know, like they were in the right spots. I mean, a lot of what was happening in the first half against the Chargers just got you thinking, well, you know, why is there an opening over here? Why it wasn't individuals necessarily breaking down it was guys it was them you know the chargers finding the soft spots consistently so i think mcdermott maybe gives them a little bit of a boost in that area but he's gonna try to keep it secret about who's calling plays but ultimately we're gonna see who has the sheet and that's the silly part of all this like yesterday when i was talking to tredavious white and i was like you know, can you even shadow a guy in a game like this because they have Thielen and Diggs? He's like, he's like, I don't know, man. He's like, if I knew, I would tell you because there's no sense keeping it a secret because you're going to see me out there on Sunday <laughs> and I'm either going to be doing it or I'm not. And I was like, well, it's at least refreshing that you said that. Right. I mean, you know, like so much has to be a secret for no reason when, you know, oh, is Sean McDermott going to call the defense? Oh, my what's he going to do pull out a superstar pass rusher that leslie frazier doesn't have and you, deploy him i mean you know how he is i know but it's this is it's him. one of those things where i'm not sure they're gaining a huge competitive advantage i don't know that they're gaining a huge competitive advantage simply by having him calling the plays but it better be an improvement because otherwise you know this is his specialty so mm -hmm. If it isn't an improvement, I'd say that's a problem. And the guy on the other side of the ball, by the way, calls his own defensive plays, Mike Zimmer, and he does a damn good job of it. So, or his defense is damn good. I don't. Again, I, I don't know. It's easy to blame the play calling one way or the other, but right. I think um, offenses dictate more often than not with with that sort of thing, as opposed to the defenses. You're kind of reacting a little bit more. A couple of things. One on Sean's secret keeping thought of another one which changes he'll be making on the offensive line i'll give you a hint russell bodine is going to start on sunday Shh. great now the vikings are going to win by 20 because <laughs> they know which slappy center is going to be in the middle of the offensive line and number two you brought up how they would get to keeping five corners i went through and i did it with the inactives the three offensive linemen will be inactive. Butker, Teller, and McDermott, because that's the trend they've shown so far. Taiwan Jones, because he only put on his helmet for the first time today. Probably going to be inactive, because, you know, I just don't know how Hopefully. you can put him out there. Uh, Kari Lee, again, which brings us up to five. Shaq Lawson is down, which is six. And then, I don't... If I had to guess, I don't think LaShawn McCoy plays in this game. He looks very uncomfortable at practice. Um, but even if he does, you still have the option of not dressing either Ray Ray McLeod, Nate Orchard, who got all of five snaps, or Robert Thomas, who got all of six snaps. So there you go. That's how you get five corners. Which just apparently the reason they dressed Robert Thomas and cut Jeremy Curley was because it was going to be hot outside Yeah. on Sunday. So Maybe Robert Thomas gets the... Uh, it's not going to be hot right in the dome. No, that's true. That is, that is absolutely true. I'm looking forward to seeing that stadium. Um... All right, we're going to get into this matchup coming up and how the Bills kind of uh, stack up with the with the Vikings in just a bit. But first, it's time for what we're working on. Matthew Fairburn, what's new at The Athletic with you? Yeah, we've got a lot of Bills content up at The Athletic this week. Film breakdowns from both John Ramsey and Eric Turner. Eric focused more on the defense, a little bit of what we're talking about and. Uh, what turned around for them in the second half and john focused deep dive on on josh allen um i've got a bunch of notes up there from not just last week's game but going forward into this week and of course Lashawn mccoy 
content has to be up there, not just his injury, but now a little bit of a little bit more drama in his off the field situation with his ex girlfriend having a lawsuit against him, and now the mother of his child accusing him of beating his son. Lots of not a lot of happy news up at the athletic, but. Tim Graham is working on another humdinger. I don't know when it comes out. Um, not Bills related, but it is. He is, teased it. It's going to be. Uh, it's going to be really, really good. Uh, from what I've heard, I haven't gotten a sneak peek or anything. But Tim and I are also going to have a little, a little collaborative effort tomorrow that I think will be fun. And I mentioned I talked to Tredavious White, so lots going on, and we'll be out. In Minnesota, Tim and I fly out tomorrow, actually. Good for you. Just the way uh, the, the prices worked out. but um, So you can go to theathletic.com slash billsbeat and get 40% off a year's subscription. Comes out to about two ninety nine ish a month. And you can even get the view from the other side this week where we've got Chad Graff covering the Vikings um, in addition to uh, Arif... Hansen is that how you say his last name? Hassan. Uh, Arif Hassan, who I'll be I'll be on his podcast tonight, kind of, you know, double dipping in the podcast world. Um, he does a great job breaking down the X's and O's of the Vikings as well. So, theathletic.com/slash billsbeat will still get you forty percent off. And over at wkbw.com, if you haven't yet, uh, go take a look at my grades for each and every offensive and defensive player for the Bills from the Chargers game. There are some surprises in there that uh, I wasn't expecting when I walked into doing the film. And it actually, you know what, for what it's worth, on film, from an individual perspective, I think a lot of them were you know, average, whereas they just had a lot of, uh, not a lot of, but a few really bad performances that kind of weighed them down. And it was the reason why that game got out of hand in a hurry so you can check that out at wkpw.com and uh, of course i'll have my uh my five things to watch column coming up on saturday of uh before before the vikings game all right now to the vikings game because all right i'm just gonna i'm just gonna throw this out there the vikings i, I don't know where on the field the Bills win. <laughs> they don't. They're 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 really good. Their one weakness is Almost, the offensive line. Yeah, but not the entire offensive line. Um, they're uh, the the kid they drafted, Elfline. He may or may not play. They had Ben Jones in there at center, and Ben Jones is a nightmare, and that's really one of the main weaknesses. And then the right tackle, Hill, uh, who also got injured. He didn't practice on Wednesday. Then they had to throw in a uh, rookie named Brian O'Neill that they took late in the draft. We saw him at the Senior Bowl. He did Pit not guy. he did not really look Isn't good. He? Yeah, Pit guy indeed. And that's really it. I mean, you look up and down their roster. Cousins, even though he's not always on the same page with his receivers, I, I noticed a few times where Diggs and Thielen are running an option route and and Cousins sees the open space down the field and he goes for it where the as the other guys read the defender and do a comeback. So maybe that could be an area that the Bills could try to exploit. Um, but other than that, I mean, Cousins is really good. Dalvin Cook not playing would be big for them. But in terms of the entire rest of the team, I just don't, I don't, I don't know that it's really going to matter. Diggs and Thielen are awesome. Um, the, on defense, Sheldon Richardson still has it. He's great. Anthony Barr is, and uh, Eric Hendricks, they're both really fun to watch as linebackers then Xavier Rhodes might be one of my favorite players to watch in the league he is he is such a lockdown guy I mean and he, and he makes it look easy it, it doesn't even look like he's trying out there and oh yeah by the way they have Harrison Smith too who's probably one of the best safeties in the league so yeah I I don't know I don't know where the Bills win here I really don't and I was texting uh with somebody in Minnesota who covers the team, and and they're they're just like, I, I said, I would kind of be surprised if the Bills beat the spread of sixteen and a half, 
and it would probably be a bad day for the Vikings if if they don't win by at least that much. And he's like, yeah, they're really good. <laughs> so it's it's uh it it's not shaping up well this week, Matthew. No, it's certainly not. And look, unless you catch them on a on a bad day, but I don't know that even a bad day from the Vikings is going to be enough here because I it's another good quarterback and a quarterback who arguably has more weapons than any quarterback they've faced thus far, I think. Uh, I think it's a more talented offense than even the Chargers have. There's no Melvin Gordon to worry about, but... Dalvin's good, man, if he plays. Dalvin Cook is good if he plays. Latavius, Latavius Murray, not no. quite as good. He's more of a plotter, but... Yeah, he looks like his legs are just kind of uh, in his first, second, and third years. Yeah, I mean, he's... I think he's okay. He's nothing special. He's nothing you're worried about, but it's more just the passing offense and what those guys can do to you and what they likely will do to you, and then the defense. I mean, for Josh Allen to have to go into Minnesota in what is supposed to be one of the best atmospheres in the league, and I would expect it would be you know, quite raucous in there, against this defense. You know, you mentioned Xavier Rhodes mm. is a stud. Oh, he's uh, awesome. Anthony Barr is awesome. Um, Sheldon Richardson, who you mentioned, uh He's just a, a nasty player and, and can really cause problems for you in a hurry on the interior of the defensive line. There's not a lot of weaknesses on this defense really at all. And Josh Allen, you know, we haven't talked about him too, too much uh, today, but I thought he looked a little confused, uh, you know, going back and watching him a second time through. He didn't really trust what he was seeing. He was in the first half, especially. He was yeah. leaving the pocket uh, quickly, and his eyes were dropping. A lot of different things were happening, and to me, this is not necessarily the uh, the medicine for that. Mm, <laughs> Going no. on the road in a loud environment where the pass rush is going to be crazy, and the corners are going to be pressing all day long. And really, you're. I think maybe there's less confusion from that standpoint of, you know, they're not, but they're still going to mix things up on them. They're still going to try to confuse them, and they're going to send pressure from different places. And I just don't, I don't know how he, especially if LaShawn McCoy, well, even if LaShawn McCoy does play, he's going to be somewhat useless, I think, if we're being honest here. He just, Think about the times he's played through injury. Almost every time he's either left the game or just hasn't been effective. And he just he looks like he's in pain walking, let alone said, running. <laughs> he said the issue for him is going to be the pain management while he's running, not while he's getting hit. And if he's in pain while he's running, he's not going to be as quick and shifty as he usually is. And if he's not quick and shifty, what is he? You know, he's not doing much for you so all of that spells a long long day for this bill's offense you learn a little something about josh allen i guess when you see how he handles himself but man this is not exactly the medicine for a team that is struggling the way this team is struggling on offense even if the defense can hold its own against kirk cousins i think the vikings defense is going to beat the bills up all afternoon long. Given the separation issues that the Bills receivers have, I would be very surprised if Xavier Rhodes doesn't either pick a pass off or come very close to picking a pass off because we know Allen is naive enough to try him and he'll he'll test it because he trusts his arm and if he's got either Kelvin Benjamin or Zay Jones running that route, I think Xavier's probably got him. And if it's Robert Foster who he's throwing to, I'll, t- I'll tell you one thing I didn't like about Robert Foster's game, even going back and watching it. On that deep pass in- into the end zone, he didn't go up for it. Like, he tried to catch it at waist level, and there was a defender right in front of him. Like, go up and win the ball, man. I mean, what do- what are you doing? Anyway, that's that wasn't the original point I was trying to make. But Xavier Rhodes is just... 
so intuitive and he can read the the receiver just so well and I mean when he he got a couple of receptions caught on him uh, when he was covering Devontae Adams in that game but I don't foresee those issues even being in the realm of possibilities here I think he's gonna eat Kelvin Benjamin alive. oh my gosh Rhodes you know what I love about Rhodes he's so good and yet he still doesn't get the the respect he deserves. I mean, he's probably top three cornerback in the league, and that might be still being a little bit too uh, uh, undershadowing what he is. He's he is good. He's long. He's got ridiculous like hip fluidity, and he's huge. he's like six three. I mean, him and Jalen Ramsey, FSU in their corners. And believe me, I'm not trying to give a hat tip to FSU because. Forget FSU, man. They they uh some bad news bears down there. Uh, what they're doing down there, but um yeah, Rhodes has been Rhodes has been awesome in the league so far. And you can make an argument that the Vikings have the two best players from the 2013 draft in Xavier Rhodes and Sheldon Richardson. Mm. I think not saying much, but Rhodes is great. Rhodes is a stud. Yeah. I think Sheldon Richardson's really good. Yeah, I mean, me that's too. a pretty terrible um, draft in general. I mean, Lane yeah. Lane Johnson, Ziggy Ansa. Ziggy's still kicking. Ziggy's pretty good. Uh, Kyle Long is decent. Uh, Eric Reed should be on a team. Tyler Eifert, Desmond Trufant. I mean, it's not. Yeah. Le'Veon Bell is from that draft. He's quite good, but he's not playing. Keenan Allen is in that draft. So there were some good players, but. I think the Vikings have two damn good ones from that draft. They didn't pick Sheldon Richardson, obviously, but um, E.J. Manuel also from that draft. Yes, yes, um, yes. Tavon Austin. Yes, the the great. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't know where they score points. <laughs> quite frankly, I mean, you look at some of the ways that they moved the ball last week. I mean, that fifty-seven yard completion to Zay Jones was an interesting play where Josh Allen should have pulled the trigger the first time he looked to that side of the field. Yeah, I completely missed him. And then he, I couldn't really tell if he underthrew it on purpose. Um, I asked Zay Jones if that's where he wants that ball. And because you could make an argument that you want that pass underthrown so the corner can run himself out of the play. Mm Mm-hmm. And Zay Jones said, well, I, I want the ball in my hands. You know, I caught it, so it's where I wanted it. And I was like, hmm, I don't know if I buy that. But even cool. some of those, yeah, I guess. <laughs> cool yeah, answer. Nice answer, which just tells me that's probably not where you wanted the ball. But some of those big plays, the the process to get there wasn't exactly what you want to see. So it's going to be a, a tough day, I think, especially if, if LaShawn McCoy isn't right, you're looking at a one-two combo of Marcus Murphy and Chris Ivory against a really good defensive front. It's going to be a test of sorts, I guess, but not exactly a test where you're you're set up to to succeed. No, you know, it'd be kind of like if you or I were to walk into some sort of advanced level. Uh, biochemistry college exam at the moment. It would be a test. It would really challenge us. I'm not sure we would learn a whole lot. And I think we'd, I, I don't know about your science skills, but I think I'd come out of there pretty beat up and really pretty rattled. I'm already rattled thinking about it. <laughs> yeah, I, I just, I'm not anticipating this this one being a, a good one. I thought going into the Vikings film, I'm like, maybe. Maybe this Bills team could be better than that 16 and a half. And then coming away from watching the Viking stuff, I'm like, oh, God. No. Well, I think <laughs> last year's, so team, good. Last year's team might have had a shot. The way they were playing defense. Sure. And the way they were protecting the football on offense. And, you know, Tyrod Taylor always presented the possibility that, you know, he could pick up some cheap yards on the ground, keep a game close. That's how they beat Atlanta last year, I think. To be fair, Josh Allen kind of does that, too. No, he can do that, yeah. but Not he like can't Tyrod. take care of the football right. in the same way. Right, 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 um, right. And, and, yeah, it's a different kind of uh, 
Josh doesn't quite have the escape ability. He has some of it. I mean, mm-hmm. he was dragging Melvin Ingram, which was pretty hilarious. But what a stupid throw, though. Yeah, that was that. Yeah, a good throw, a really good, like a good for having Melvin Ingram hanging on him. A impressive throw, velocity and distance wise. But he but sh- a stupid throw. He should have thrown that about. 20 yards to the right yeah and out of bounds because there was even if he didn't have melvin ingram on him that throw was stupid but anyways right he has some of that but they're not playing the same brand of football that they were a year ago when Mm -hmm. they were taking care of the ball running the ball fairly well they don't have the same offensive line and they're not as opportunistic on defense at the moment so it's hard to see them pulling off this type of upset. It does. It just has a different feel, doesn't it? You, mm-hmm. Where you can't envision them pulling off games like this because they're not good enough. Right. Whereas last year, there were times where you could talk yourself into maybe they can slow down Tom Brady or maybe they can do this or that. Maybe they can go into Atlanta. And this year, the team does not quite have that same feel. No, they, they do not. So I think I know where this is headed. I'm taking the Vikings. Um, I think I'm taking them to cover the 16 and a half, too. That's how we can not not give out scores. We'll we'll just say what we do, uh, what who we think is going to win, and then that spread. So I think I think the Vikings are going to cover it at home. Myself. How about you? Yeah, I think the Vikings will win this game somewhat handily. I'll go with. 27 to 7 i think it's going to be uh they'll cover that spread maybe they won't completely destroy them but it's going to be a pretty convincing victory and it's not going to look all that pretty i think uh i think the bills will continue like they did last week to not roll over Mm -hmm. um and they'll probably show some fight and Mm -hmm. at times look competent but i just don't think they have the talent to hold up in a game like that yeah i don't think i don't think they're going to get rolled over immediately like they did in the first two games but but yeah eventually the the talent is going to uh give way uh for the vikings to win as you said handily all right so we both have the vikings in this game the next time we will talk to you will be from the press box at the brand new viking stadium can't wait to see it Looking forward to being in Minneapolis, too, which is always a a good time. All right. Well, thank you all for listening to us. This will do it for this episode of The Bills Beat. We will talk to you on Sunday. See ya.